Welcome to another Axe Church podcast. My name is Hunter Croft, if you're new with us, uh, and I am on staff here at Axe Church. I've got Pastor Dave with me. He's our teaching pastor here at Axe Church. Um, and we are here. We were just, we were thinking, let's have an hour long conversation, but let's not waste that conversation. Let's uh, record it. So that's what we're going to do. Yeah, yes. Is that what we're doing? <laughs> no. no, we, we planned a podcast. Right oh, now. okay. I, th- I, I thought we were just thinking we were going to be really interesting. And so we thought we'd record it for posterity. No, this week's podcast, uh, you know, last, was it last Sunday or the Sunday before? It was last Sunday. You know, I talked some about, um, our call as missionaries and, uh, you know, the, every believer's call as, you know, every Christ follower is called to be a missionary. We have Matthew 28, yeah, 18 through 20, you know, Jesus saying, look, I've got all authority in heaven and on earth. Now go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them, you know, etc. name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I've commanded you. And, and lo, I'm with you always to the ends of the age. Amen. Um, and so that is our great commission. That is the, the command to every, every believer. And, you know, trying to flesh out what that means for, let's just say, a, a modern Western uh, believer who, what, what the Christian life looks like for us versus what the Christian life might have looked like for others or, you know, what does it mean to be called to missions versus what does it mean to be called to foreign missions? Um, and then there's temporary foreign missions where you're involved, but you, you know, it's something you do one week a year, a couple weeks a year uh, versus, look, I feel called to go to another country, another people group and and that type of thing. And we had a, a young man, 26-year-old young man named John Jonathan Chow, um, who is from actually our city, from Vancouver, uh, I believe up in the Salmon Creek area, went to a local Christian high school, I think, here, and and then went to, I think, Oral Roberts University and did a bunch of training as like an EMT and uh, maybe like a sports medical therapist type guy uh, to prepare himself to go be a missionary on North Sentinel Island, which is in the Bay of Bengal, uh, off, you know, a thousand miles from India, essentially on the east side of India. And, you know, so he had prepared himself with some medical knowledge. And I believe his plan was, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to, I'm going to help the people, you know, uh, medically and in other ways and, and be a help to them. And then eventually I'm going to, I'm going to speak the gospel to them. And, um, these people, these folks are, have eschewed, uh, modern society, modern culture. They don't, they, they are uh, a culture that is still, you know, hunter gatherer, as far as we can tell, basically almost zero contact with uh, the developed world. And there was some laws against going, even going to that island, even going to within three miles of it. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. There's a, yeah. 5k 3.1 yep. miles. Yep. There you go. Yeah. Five kilometers, three miles uh, for our United States friends, uh, five kilometers for those of you everywhere else, uh, from the Island. And so, uh, you know, you weren't even supposed to get near it. And, and either way he went over there, made contact, came back to the boat that he had paid to take him back, then went back and basically told the guys, Hey, come back and get me tomorrow. It'll be fine. I'll be fine here for the night. When he had gone before he had actually had, they had actually, I think talked to him some, but then on his way back, they had shot an arrow at him. One of the kids had shot an arrow, like went into his waterproof Bible, the arrow. Mm-hmm. So not, not exactly a welcome, but he still went back. And when he went back, 
they didn't miss. Um, you know, from mm. what we can tell, he was killed and, and buried there on the island. I don't know if they've figured out how to get his body back yet, but it sparked sort of a discussion culturally, you know, what, you know, what, what was this kid doing, this young man doing? Was it a good thing? Or was it a bad thing? You know, uh, was specifically what he did a good thing or a bad thing? Is, is missionary work in general a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, and, and so I want to have that discussion. I want to talk about what it means for us as, as believers, uh, as Christ followers to be missionaries, uh, whether, whether what John Chow did was a good, a good thing or a bad thing, um, righteous, unrighteous, that type of thing. Um, because that's a question that's out there right now. And then I want to walk through some of the things that people, some of the arguments people are making uh, about uh, missionary work in general and so on. So first, though, you went to a Bible college. Did they have a missions program? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, yeah. you, so you knew people who were majoring essentially in missions and their plan was to go do missions. Correct. What, what was their mindset towards it? What kind of places were they planning to go to? Was it, was it within the Western world mostly? Was it you know, going to remote tribes? What, what was your experience? Um, yeah, all over our, our main missions professor, he lived in Africa for, oh, I don't know how many years, a good amount of years. Um, he lived in Kenya. Um, so we had, you know, some people went back there to go to, I don't know if they were going to the same place he used to be. Um, and we had connections. Um, one of our alumni I know is in Germany. Um, we had alumni all over the world. Um, my aunt and uncle are alumni and they live in Cambodia. So yeah, really, um, all, there's a lot, there's a kind of a big push happening in Europe right now because Europe is um, becoming so de-churched. Um, right. So they're sending a lot of people to places like Germany um, and Ireland and places like that. Um, let, me, let me stop you there for a minute and ask you. Okay. There's a big difference between going to Cambodia where there are probably places where the gospel hasn't really penetrated or hasn't penetrated with power yet, you know, mm -hmm. hasn't, hasn't, hasn't fully penetrated right. as opposed to a post-Christian mm -hmm. uh, culture like Western Europe, where the gospel is, there are nicer, bigger churches. They're just empty mm -hmm. right? on the gospel fully penetrated. And there are still those who follow Christ and, and so on. And, and some great, wonderful believers in Western Europe, but the culture in general has rejected it. Mm-hmm. But it's not unavailable to them, right? Right. What do you like think? Like you couldn't go tell. There's, there's probably very few people that you could go to and say, "Have you heard of Jesus?" And they say no. Like right. Whereas in Cambodia, you could go to plenty of people and say, uh, "Do you know about?" They, they call him Prea Yesu, which just means mm -hmm. God, Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, have you heard of this guy? And they'd probably be like, "No, what's that?" Right. So right, yeah, you're 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 literally bringing the gospel. You're literally being a witness um, in a line of witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the power of the gospel and what that brings, as far as as far as peace and grace, you know, uh, peace with God through grace, they are not missing that um, story and, and and so on in Western Europe, which is to say, it exists. There are plenty of local people who are actually strong believers and so on, who are there in society, still pervading in society, even in the even in the places where the church is relatively dead. And, and so what are your thoughts about sending people from the United States over to France or Germany or Italy or something like that as missionaries? I mean, does that, how does that strike you? Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's interesting because obviously there are people there who, who are aware of the gospel. Um, but I don't 
What about people and, sending missionaries here? Yeah, I don't, I guess I don't, if God's put it on your heart to go serve a particular community, I think um, that as a foreigner, you have a different type of impact on the people there. Um, I think there's a different type of impact that you can have on a community as a foreigner, mm-hmm. um, as long as you do it well, you know? Um, and there's some question as to whether people really have heard the gospel. I mean, I say that they right. have culturally, but the truth is you could probably go to a lot of people in, in Germany and they might know about Christmas and they might know about, Who, like, you know, that the name kind of Jesus. stuff. Right. But they may not know the real gospel story or, mm-hmm. or the real claims that Christians make or the apologetic defenses of things like the historical truth of the resurrection. So, I mean, there, I'm not saying there's not work to be done. We go to Honduras. And it's a quote-unquote Christianized, mostly Catholic mm-hmm. nation, and yet we do all kinds of mission work, and there are people who, who just literally don't know the gospel. They just don't know it, even though, you know, this is this is a nation where there have been missionaries for, you know, 100-plus years. Um, and so there's still valuable work to be done. You know, Africa has has been, um, a lot of Africa has, has had lots of Christian influence for a long time. A lot of Asia has a lot, a lot of Christian influence for a long time. Places like North Sentinel Island are really, I would guess, relatively rare. There are places where, mm-hmm. where people, the gospel has not penetrated yet, but to, to that extent, like they've n- literally never heard. You know, like right. no one has said, I mean, until this guy was yelling in English, hey, my name is John and Jesus loves you and I love you, you know, which they don't know what it means, but that may be the first time they've heard the word Jesus. So. Right. It's a very different thing than going to a culture that's already been saturated and then sort of rejected right. um, the gospel, or at least culturally. And so I think there's a, I don't know, I have an answer to this question. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, if somebody came here, let's just say some of the Chinese Christians who felt the call to, to follow uh, Christ's call to, to do mission work, and they came to Camus and they're like, yeah, I've heard that. You know, very, very small percentage of people in Camus follow Christ. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, that's true. Yep. And they'd be like, so I came here as a missionary, and I'd be like, I don't know what to think about that. Like, yeah. there's there are plenty of churches, and yet there are so many people who reject Christ or maybe even don't know the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, could is it reasonable to to for people to come over here and do missions work? And I don't know. I guess it comes back to like you say, a calling. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, yeah, and I think you know it'd be like if if I guess if someone from China or, you know, wherever else in the world came to our church and said, Hey, I went to do missions here. I like, we probably would have a way to use them for the sure. sake of the gospel, you know? I mean, I consider all of us to be doing missions, right? You know, the, the breakdown is between foreign missions being sent to another place. But, you know, I was living in Tennessee for six years before I came back here. And yeah, (laughs) they speak a a different language in some ways, right? Um, For our Tennessee listeners, they know what I mean. Um, And I I felt called to travel 3,000 miles or Mm 2,500 miles to come and plant a church in Camas. And, you know, the rest of that story is what it is. Don't have time for that today, but, but that's missions work. I mean, that's being put on a mission. You have a mission, you're going and you're bringing the gospel. And one of the reasons is I felt like Camus, yeah, or I felt like God was saying Camus needs more gospel. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, church planners and, and people who, who work on staff at churches and, and who do that kind of work are missionaries, people who move because they're a plumber or a, 
an artist or a lawyer or a doctor or, you know, uh, you know, uh, work on, on, on machines or whatever it is, and they move somewhere for a job from one place to another, I have an expectation for the Christ follower that they see that as God calling them into a new mission field. Um, and so, you know, we had Lee De La Garza was a, was an elder here at, at Axe Church and, and they moved down to Arizona. Well, the expectation was that when Lee got down to Arizona, that he would integrate with the local church there and start to be effective in missions work there. And he has been, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and, you know, that's the expectation. And so, again, we get this breakdown between sort of professional missions, which is what they were training to do at your school, I assume, and the kind of missions that everybody does. And should there be a divide? Uh, you know, that's the, that's the first part of the conversation, right? Should there be a divide? Should we be thinking differently about the person who feels called to go to Africa and the person who's just definitely called to be a missionary in their, uh, where they're planted, to mm-hmm. bloom where they're planted as a missionary you know, at work, at school, at home, around your friends, around your family, you know, wherever you go that you are preaching the gospel, you know, ready to give a defense, all of those kinds of things. And, and, and then the, the next question would be, if there isn't really a distinction, are we doing that? And are we, uh, you know, the, how effective we are doing it is really up to the Lord if we're doing it, mm-hmm. but are we doing it? And so let's, let's now circle back to, so you had some people who were looking at Europe and so on. You had some people who were looking at other kinds of countries. Any close friends who have started this journey and where have they gone? Yeah, I've got um, a close friend. Uh, he's not, he's in Dallas right now, I think. Uh, his name's David, another David. Yeah, um, one of those. And he is planning on being a Bible translator. So he's planning on going to people who have never heard of Jesus before, basically. Okay. Um, or at least very few of them have, um, and they don't have a Bible in their own language yet. So that's what he's planning on doing, um, or at least being someone. And then he would learn their language and then translate the Bible? That's yeah, the idea? Okay. Yeah. So he's basically becoming a Greek and Hebrew nerd and mm-hmm. being able to translate that into whatever language he learns. Okay. Um, so then he would go to a... I've, I've heard stories of other guys who have done this. And when I say guys, I mean guys and girls. Um, that was just a generic term. Um, people would work. People, yeah. yeah. Um, and they go in there and they talk to um, those. They, they get integrated into a community. They um, become a functioning member of that community, basically. I mean, obviously, they're still a foreigner, but right. um, they serve the community and they partake in things in the community and they learn the language and they learn connotations of the language and colloquialisms and everything like that. And then they work. And then they, I think they actually create a team of translators within that community to help them translate the Bible um, as they work through that. From the so, Greek and Hebrew into that yeah, language. Yeah. Hmm. So okay. that's an inter- That's a very specific calling. Right. Yeah. You know, that's, that's bringing literally the word to, mm-hmm. and I think, to folks. I think that. I've heard these stats recently, but I think like 150 languages in the world still that don't have a, a Bible translation yet. Mm. So, um, I'm sure the Gideons who do a lot of that would have some stats on mm-hmm. on on who's got a Bible translation, who doesn't. It's important work. And, and so, how many of the people at your school would you say were doing the missions track versus say preaching or you know Christian ministry or whatever? Um, I would say probably of my class, I think I graduated like 50 people in my class. I would say probably 10 to 15 of them were missions majors. Uh, maybe 20 were preaching and then the rest were like um, youth or mm-hmm. or children or 
um, some other type of teaching ministry. So the rest of them were youth or children at, at your college? No, they, oh. they were youth, youth ministry, ministry. Oh, okay, okay. kids ministry. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know any children had gone there. We might want to look at your resume. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we had a nursery. So of those 15 or so that were missions, how many of them have have headed out, have gone to the mission field at this point? Are they are they in the process of doing that or raising money for it? Or or is it just a major? I mean, what? Uh, no, I've, I, I see like um, I get added to Facebook groups of friends who are working on, you know, raising funds to, to head over. They're, they're networking, raising funds to head overseas. Um, I know one girl, she I think she I think she's still planning on going to China and she's been doing that for two or three years now. Mm-hmm. She, she graduated before me. Um, another friend, he, where was he going to go? Anyway, I've got, yeah, I've got lots of friends. Um, Cause there's a real cost. I mean, Oh yeah. It's yeah. not free. No, no, no. You know, this guy that was going to go live on North Sentinel Island, I don't think there's any fundraising necessarily in, that would be important to him other than to get there. Right. Because he was just going to go live with he these people. Gonna, right. Yeah. I mean, it's not like he could buy anything from them. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, it's just, what would you do with money? <laughs> right. There's no, you don't have to have health insurance. You don't need to have retirement. You don't need to, you're just going to go live with these people. He's just mm-hmm. going to, he was just ready to sell his, his life out for these people, for the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, and whatever was going to happen was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so, but most places that you go, it does cost money. And, and I have a friend who recently uh, went to the Dominican Republic, and I think they had to raise something like $8,000 a month and, and right. pledges to, to fund the ministry, to fund, to be able to eat, to be able to do you know all the mm-hmm. things that you have to do. So it's quite expensive. We have a family here at Axe Church who's getting ready to go to the Philippines, and we're in that process with them. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's something, if you're listening, that's something you're interested in being a part of is connecting with those, um, with that family. You can connect with us at axcamus.org, info at axcamus.org and say that you're interested in helping with that family because, you know, it's important to, mm-hmm. if you're not connected to a missionary family, it'd be a good thing to do. And so, yeah, there's a lot of funds that are involved in it. So let's let's break it down about this, this young man. So I, I've sort of told you the story. He goes... You know, he ends up going, he ends up getting killed. People, um, I think, were pretty hard on the guy for a couple of reasons. One was, oh, he's just, you know, just nuts. You know, he goes out there and he's just, you know, he's not prepared. He's not ready. He's, he's going out, he's putting these people in danger. One of the issues with not having people go over there was, oh, well, you might give them a disease. Right. They're, not, they're not used to our, you know, bacteria and whatever. And so he's not prepared. He's putting them in danger. There's that side. And then there's the, a different side, which is the cultural imperialism side, right? Mm-hmm. That he's going over there and pushing on them ideas and so on that they're not interested in mm-hmm. and, you know, that that's wrong. Right. Let's take the first one first. As to the preparedness, that seems to have come out. There's an article I was reading, or uh, it may have been an op-ed, I don't know, but more information has come out about his preparedness. Apparently, he had been preparing for a long time. He had been quarantined. He had, uh, you know, I, I can't, this is stuff I read online. I have not gone through the whole process to, to confirm all this. But from what this article said, or this op-ed piece or whatever it was, he'd been quarantined. He'd been, um, you know, trained medically. He'd had all kinds of shots and whatever so that he wouldn't make these people sick. So he was as prepared as you can probably be to make sure that you're not bringing a disease, which Mm -hmm. is important. It's not a very loving thing to go over there and give them all the flu and kill them all. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but he had done the things to, to, you know, I would say that he's probably as likely to get sick from whatever their stuff is than, than they were to get from his because he had done all this other stuff. But I don't really know the answer to that. Not a medical doctor. But he had done what he could do. Mm-hmm. He had prepared in training. 
uh, medical training and so on to be able to actually be a help mm-hmm. to them and had planned to integrate and help and serve these people and live in a way that most of us would not be willing to live mm-hmm. because of his love for Jesus and his love for these people um, who he didn't even know, he didn't speak their language, but he was going to learn all that. He was going to go do the whole thing, right? And so that part of it, I don't think is an objection. The He's not prepared enough. He's just some dumb kid. That's just not true. I mean, the, the facts just don't support that. It sounds like he was very prepared that he had, that this was a years-long plan of his to go and do. Yeah. The other side is this cultural imperialism side. And there's a few ways I want to work this question. And, and it basically it goes like this. You shouldn't go into cultures that say they don't want you to come into them and and give your you know your religion and in this case we're just talking about ideas right Re- religion is not some magical thing it's just a set of ideas that make up a worldview mm-hmm. which is the same thing that everybody has whether they call it religion whether they call it a worldview whether they call it a way of life whether they call it my style or what i believe or whatever it's simply an, a, a, a series of truth claims that you believe to be true whether that is I don't like this candidate for political office or whether this is, I believe in this God, they're all just truth claims, right? Mm-hmm. They're all just saying, um, you know, I believe this candidate is better because she does X. That's a truth claim that she does X. That's your, you're making that claim about this person and that the other candidate doesn't do X. Those are truth claims you're making. I can then take them. I can accept them. I can reject them, but you're making, you're, you're being a missionary, at that point, when you come and tell me that, when you say, you should go out and vote. Now, let's just say that. You should go out and vote. Is that missionary work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. You're you're going out and you're trying to change somebody's attitude, behavior, beliefs, mm-hmm. right? That's missionary work. Now, well, that's not religious. Uh, well, listen, <laughs> I, I hate to, um, you know, break anyone's, you know, view of, of life over this. I'll, I actually don't hate to at all. But ideas are ideas, right? Mm-hmm. The, there aren't religious ideas and non-religious ideas in, in, as some sort of quality barrier between types of ideas. There are simply truth claims, facts claims, and so on that exist, whether they're about, whether God exists and whether gravity exists are both similar questions. They have mm-hmm. to do with metaphysical realities. In other words, realities in the world out there that, mm-hmm. that have to do with, the, with what exists in the universe. Does, do I exist? Do you exist? Are we just part of a, you know, are we in the matrix? No, we're not, by the way. Um, <laughs> things would be way cooler if we were. We could do all that, like moving around and bullets going. Anyway, um, we're not in the Matrix. You know, uh, the the philosophy that would suggest that is, I think, uh, frankly, kind of a waste of time, although kind of fun. But the the question, are you in the Matrix or not, is also a question. It's not religious or non-religious, and neither are, quote unquote, religious claims. Mm-hmm. God is real. God is not real. Jesus was a real person. Jesus wasn't a real person. Jesus died and rose again. Jesus didn't die and rose again. These are all, you know, ideas. And to say you should not go into another culture and hit them with their ideas is also a what? What is that when I tell you that you should not do something? That's your own mission work. It's your own mission work. You're <laughs> telling me what I should do. Did I ask for your opinion? Did, am I inviting you into into uh, my home, into my life to tell me what you think I should do? No. So you're no different than the person that that you know that, that whatever. And like, well, I wouldn't come into your home. You read it in an article. Okay, that's a fair. Mm. You know, I put it out on the internet. You either you either take it in or don't take it in, and that's fine. If that's all you do in life is put things out on the internet, you don't walk out of your house. You don't ever say these things to anybody live. You you get consent 
every time that you say, and you want to tell me what time it is, you get consent for me to ask whether <laughs> I'm okay with you, you telling me your view of time, <laughs> but you don't because that's not the way the world works. And if you think something is important, you're going to advocate for it and you should. Mm -hmm. You ought to advocate for it. This guy was willing to die. Mm -hmm. He's like, if they want to kill me, they're going to kill me. And I'm not going to be mad at them. And I don't want anybody else to be mad at them. Mm -hmm. Like, I get it. They have their right to kill me. And I have my right to go and try to bring to them something that I believe will help them. Mm -hmm. So some of the objections that have come out of this have been things like, it's not helpful. Christians are bad and evil and do horrible things. And, and missions work, you know, trying to, to uh, make disciples for Jesus Christ is terrible. And Christians are terrible. And they all vote for these people. And they all do these <laughs> things. All this kind of like totally red herring stuff, like, like out, out here, you know, that Christians essentially, the, one of the arguments is essentially that Christians make things worse, not better. Mm -hmm. Now, there is a major problem with that premise. Mm -hmm. And here and here it is. You would not even be able to speak to say the things that you're saying about how bad Christians were without Christianity. Mm -hmm. You would not live in a society that gave you a soapbox as a normal person walking around to make political and and religious and whatever comments widespread like you do unless they happen to fit with the, the people with the guns, the money, the girls, the power, the whatever, you know, all the stuff that people used to do back in the old days, um, you don't have, you, you wouldn't be alive if you had any kind of issue when you were a kid, they would have thrown you out in the trash heap. There was, there was no value, life value placed on all kinds of people, equality, environmentalism, modern medicine, modern science, all the things that you've, that you've received as an inheritance as a modern uh, you know, person living in society anywhere on earth, but particularly in the Western world, you have because of Christian missionaries, because mm -hmm. Christian missionaries went throughout the world and spread the gospel and changed the nature of the way society operated, particularly from a moral standpoint. Mm -hmm. why, are you, why are you talking about equality? Why are you talking, you, you wanna talk about climate change and how people ought to take that seriously? And that's a good thing for you to talk about because we should take seriously any kind of threat um, or, or human cause to damage to the earth because we're called to steward it. But that's a Christian concept, mm -hmm. totally a Christian concept. Why should I care if your grandchildren aren't going to, let's say I don't wanna have kids. Why should I care whether your grandchildren have an earth that's whatever? It's not going to go away in the next 50 years while I'm alive. Mm -hmm. So why shouldn't I get all the stuff I can get and burn down the earth? Mm -hmm. What's going to make me, what's going to put me in a position where I should care mm -hmm. about this? And go, oh, don't you care about people? Well, of course I do. But where, what, from where do you get the, the basis for a moral compunction, right? An ought, that mm -hmm. I ought to care about these things. You get them from Christianity. That's yeah. where they come from. The, the idea that you should live a moral life the way that we most, most of us understand moral life, justice, mercy, love. Uh, these are concepts that have been developed primarily and mostly from a Judeo-Christian mindset. Mm -hmm. And so you're sitting here using, you, 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 you're, <laughs> you're literally using that which is benefiting you that you have inherited from a Christian worldview that came from Christian missionaries that would never have, I mean, St. Patrick doesn't go to Ireland. You're talking about a bunch of pagan people doing all kinds of crazy stuff, right? Mm -hmm. That's what was going on. It wasn't like that was changing on its own. It happened by Christians coming and sacrificially, lovingly bringing missions work. Now, 
have there been people under the name of Christ who have done something that's very different than Christian missions mm-hmm. and gone into places and done terrible things and given everybody smallpox and you know right. what I mean? Of course there have been. Yeah, but, I was just yeah, I was just listening ahead. to like uh, what was going on during like abolitionist times uh, in mm-hmm. in the Eastern U.S. Um, or as it was back then, the U.S. Um, the Spanish were letting um, escaped slaves come to Florida and live there so long as they would convert to Catholicism. And that just, like, as someone who has thought about missions a lot um, and evangelism a lot, that, like, was was a little unnerving. Like, wait a second. You want these people to convert to Catholicism, which is, I'm putting that in quotes, because they're not converting to Catholicism. They are trying to get out of slavery. Right. Um, and they're willing to, yeah, sure, I'll check a box that says Catholic if right. if you... If you stop, you know, treating me like a slave. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, obviously, there have been... And that's probably one of the best... Horrendous things that have been done. That's probably one of the best situations of, of forced um, conversion happening in, in the... European right, there's much history. worse forced yeah, conversions, yeah. right? And and when Christianity, quote unquote, has been used, has been weaponized in that way, like you will convert convert to Christianity, which wasn't even, which the Christianity they're converting to was was probably nothing like Christianity. It was more like you will convert to our cultural norms, mm-hmm. or else, you know, Inquisition and style what, and, Christianity. And, and when you're when your um, monarchy is set up by God, you have to have them also become Catholic in order to, because otherwise right. they would be. Because you derive your authority from the divine right of kings. Right. Yeah, you got so all, kind, all, you got all, all kinds of, of political, up screwed up stuff. But that's not, go read the book of Acts and you'll find none of that. You'll right. find none of that. You'll find none of it in John Chow going to the North Sentinel. Mm-hmm. You will find nothing that has to do with in, with cultural imperialism where you're saying our ways are best, i.e. you should all get iPhones and look at them all day or whatever we're doing in our culture. That's not what he was about. Right. He was perfectly happy to let them enjoy and in fact would have celebrated their own culture. Mm-hmm. And he all he wanted was to give them the good news that Jesus Christ had died for their sins and that they could be made right with God. Mm-hmm. And they, like every other human being in the earth, knows, inherently knows in their heart that there's a God and that they're not right with him. And it certainly would have changed their culture. You can't you can't say that, oh, their culture would be completely intact except with the addition no, of Christianity. It, it would have it would have changed their culture primarily though from a moral standpoint. Yes, the way that they yeah. treated each other, the way that they treated and others. It, and it should have bettered their culture. It wouldn't it, people Correct. people want it, it seems like there's this idea in in um, uh, anthropologists they they want they just want to preserve all these cultures just as they are flaws and all. Right. Because for some reason, whatever their culture is, is the best culture for them. Right. Um, it's it's relativistic anthropology. Ask them if they do that for their own children. Exactly. And and it's 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 not surprising that that's how people are behaving because we have all sorts of of other things happening that are from that same viewpoint where 
you do you, I'll do me. And that's kind of that same thing that's being applied to. Absolutely. Um, it is. And yet, and yet it's not consistently applied because no one is saying my child's three-year-old culture of, you know, wetting themselves and, and throwing, you know, tantrums. throwing tantrums and eating all the cookies and lying about it is the best culture for him. Mm-hmm. And if they are saying that they're insane, mm-hmm. you know, they, they have lost a grip on reality and humanity. Mm-hmm. No one is saying that. Well, they haven't grown up yet. Well, are you going to give them a culture to grow up in? Of course you are. Mm-hmm. Are you going to give them what you think is best? Even if what you're saying is the best thing to believe is that everybody's culture is their own and it's the best. It's still a culture that you're giving them. It's still an answer that you're giving them. Mm-hmm. And and the fact is, is that those who fight against cultural imperialism as if there's nothing to improve, it, truth is truth. It's not. It doesn't change between you and me or this island and that island. You can maintain your cultural identity, which is to say, here's how we do, here's how we make pancakes. I make them. Look, we have, take food as an example. It's an, it's, it seems a neutral enough one that no one can get too upset about. Right. Well, uh, there's a, there's a French gluten free and right. vegan. <laughs> exactly. Right. There's a, and, and cage free and, and the fair trade and whatever, you know, I've seen that, which those that, are all good things. The you know? Cage free drummers. No, article. I was like, they, Go it, ahead. it was a Babylon B article where it says, uh, church promises that their drummers will be cage free by 2025. Mm. <laughs> That is good. For those of you who don't know, a drum cage is the thing that uh, that a drummer sits inside so that you can control the volume of the drums. Yeah, and yeah. it's pretty funny. If you already, if I had to explain it to you, it's probably not. But it yeah. was. It's, it's that's pretty funny. It would have had to have already been funny. To you. It would, if it wasn't already funny, it <laughs> probably didn't get funny, funny by me telling you that. Um, no, but those those who those who get obsessed with the idea that culture, other cultures should not be touched are missing the fact that they're, that even having and expressing that idea is an attempt to change the a culture, mm-hmm. right? If, if I don't believe that and you're putting, and you're telling me that other cultures shouldn't be touched, you're touching my culture. By, by the very statement, you have completely invalidated your own statement. Mm-hmm. Make, if you don't want to change anybody's culture, stop making statements. Mm-hmm. Go live in your house and shut up. Mm-hmm. Because the second that you, and no offense, you know, but the second that you speak, and you and you make a claim and you make it and you try to be persuasive with that claim you are affecting and changing culture and you can say well that's my own culture my own culture values changing culture that that is such a, a, a spin around you know circular way of of looking at things maybe their culture values changing culture and if it doesn't maybe it should because maybe the reason our value our value uh of changing culture is held high in say the United States where we say we want a culture that is open to ideas and that is willing to change for the better. The reason we do that is not because it's just a cultural thing that could have been something else. It's because we believe that's what's right Mm -hmm. objectively, Mm -hmm. that it's objectively right that you should always be looking for the best information, the things that are the most true. You should be seeking those things out, truth, beauty, peace, love, justice, that these aren't just things that we've decided culturally are great, like we could have flipped a coin and decided they were all bad. We believe that those things are objectively true and that every culture at all times and all places, no matter what, should be viewing those things. And so we believe as believers that when we bring the mission of making disciples for Christ, that we are actually improving their chances at having a good, peaceful, just, wonderful society Primarily, that's not what we're going for. Primarily, we want their souls, their everlasting souls to be saved, that they could be with God forever. Because this this world, anyone who's living in the physical human body right now understands that 
This is not going to last forever. You're not going to last forever. You're going to die unless the Lord comes back and gets you before you do. You're going to die someday if that doesn't happen because we are, we're just, uh, we're just a, a breath, you know, a hundred years. It's nothing. It's nothing compared to eternity. And so the most important thing is their eternal souls. And then secondarily, there's all these other benefits that we believe come with the message of Jesus Christ and teaching them to believe all things to do, all things that he's commanded, right? Teaching them all things that Christ has commanded. That's the part where you actually improve your life, you improve your society, and so on. We're not saying modern society in the United States, constitutional republic, you know, democracy, but we're not, I'm not making statements about those things and whether they're the best thing for every culture. Though that's that's a question for political pundits to 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 decide or to that's not that I don't have an opinion on it, but I'm not sharing. I'm not going to share my opinions on on those kind of political issues here. Rather, or with the elites. Or with the Sentinel, the North Sentinelese. Unless I think, unless I happen to think that those reflect biblical, you know. Uh, uh, objective truths about morality. If I thought that, then yes, I would share. I'd say, mm-hmm. I think Jesus would like a society that does X, Y, or Z. And here's why I think that. And, and then they would be able to come back and say, well, I'm, I'm also reading scripture. I'm also, I'm also diving deep into this relationship with Jesus Christ. And here's what I think. And then we could have a conversation about it because that also, you know, bearing with one another, working together, having unity, having oneness. These are, these are the things about Christianity, not, not, cultural imperialism, which has been practiced by uh, many Western European nations for a long time and is, in fact, bad. Mm-hmm. You know, there's very few good things about imperialism, which is to say you go in and you basically force them to become you. Mm-hmm. And if they don't become you, then you, you know, you know, round them all up and stick them in a cave and, and throw a blanket with smallpox in there. Or you kill them all, you know, just outright. Or you, you know, take them all and, and make them walk on a trail to Oklahoma or all the horrible things that mm-hmm. nations like our own and and other Western nations, England, France, Portugal, Spain, all these nations, Holland, you know, these nations that have, that have been imperialistic mm-hmm. have done terrible things. And that's bad, but that's not Christian missions. Christian missions is is about others first. It's a it's a self sacrificing service, feet washing. That's why this guy did things like learned medical science before he went, so that he would actually come and be a benefit to their culture himself. Mm-hmm. So he was paying his freight. He was gonna do. He was gonna be someone who helped these people both you know practically and spiritually but starting practically right and as the church you know as we are here our mission is we want to see people set free from addiction we want to see people set free from from the things in their lives that are causing them issues of course the most important thing to us is their spiritual well-being but if they have spiritual well-being by and large that's going to affect their physical well-being. That's going to affect the health of their family, their marriages, their relationships. You know the way that they view themselves, the way that they view others, uh, whether they have a fear uh, of of man or a fear of God. All those things are so important to to who they are. But ultimately, it's that spiritual thing. So we have this guy, John Chow. He goes over there, and that's what he's trying to do. And then you get this backlash, and you now and and I now can see something that I think you know I'm guessing 50 years ago. This same thing happens, and the majority of people are going to say, "What a wonderful, uh, you know, thing that this guy has done! That he was willing to sacrifice his life to bring the love of Jesus to these people." Because culturally, the country was was generally Christian, and so on. And, and I'll give you my example: Jim Elliot. 
1956 or whatever it was, Jim Elliott goes over. Um, they train, they, they learn the language, they go whatever, they fly into you know this, this tribal area, and they get killed, right? Mm-hmm. And the response is, I believe, an increase in missions work, right? People, people are inspired mm-hmm. by the loving sacrifice that Jim Elliott made. Um, and of course, there's, I think, End of the Spear, there's a movie um, that you can watch that that dramatizes kind of what happened there. And I believe that that, that that tribe has been, has come to know Jesus since then. And it was a violent, you know, uh, it was not a good culture that they had going on. And so I, I think people looked at it and said, that's a good thing that Jim Elliott did. He was, he was doing something out of love, out of care, out of compassion, whatever. And now when somebody does it because of the nature of, of political discourse and all the rest of it, we say, oh, what John Chow was attempting to do was oppressive. It was culturally imperial imperialistic it was you know he was trying to you know he's misguided you know narcissist or whatever people would say you know that 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 it had something to do with something other than simply loving jesus and wanting to share that love that's where we are now we see somebody do have a self-sacrificial act and now i'm not saying that that he did everything perfectly and that he did everything the way he should have done i don't know the answer to that Mm -hmm. my understanding is that he did not get the proper visa to do missions work um if it was illegal for him to go to the island then that's not you know then that's an issue Mm -hmm. um we'll we'll get to that question in just a second whether whether you should still do that but but i'm not saying he did everything perfectly but the fact is is that it appears from his writings facebook posts from his friends from those who helped him train that he had a a mindset that was positive, a mindset that was that was focused on other people and not on himself and on his relationship with Jesus. Now, I will, I don't know how much time we have left here, um, but I will um, go through the question of what about the fact that it was illegal to go there? If mm-hmm. I say it's illegal to go into North Korea and talk about Jesus, should that law affect a Christ follower? Mm-hmm. I'll let you give me your initial thoughts. Well, I think... I think most Americans would say, oh, no, you don't have to listen to that law because North Korea is bad. And so because North Korea is obviously bad, we don't have to follow their law to stay out and not um, do whatever humanitarian thing we want, whether you're religious and and think that's bringing them Christianity or whether you just want to bring them food or whatever. Um, Whereas there's not not this popular idea... um, that India or the Sentinelese are bad. And so because of that, you think you have to, because you have decided that they're not bad, you think that their authority is worth following. Um, and so Christ tells us to, to follow um, the rulers who have been set up um, because they, I don't know how the, the scripture's not coming to mind for some reason, but basically, um, you respect authority because God is who gives authority. Um, but I think that as Christians, we have a certain moral duty to examine um, laws and say, is this law honoring to Christ? Is this is is following this law, does, does Christ have something else that he wants us to follow above this man-made law? And, and things like um, abolition, you know, in the mm-hmm. 1800s, mm-hmm. I think there's very, and I mean, through civil rights and everything like that, there were many laws right. that Christians had to decide, do we want to break this law yeah, would you have out been, of love? Would you have felt like you were doing something wrong 
to house a slave who was escaping the South on the runaway uh, on the Underground Railroad. Mm-hmm. Right. Runaway Railroad. That's I'm, I'm quoting Disney uh, rides on a runaway train. Now, the, on the Underground Railroad, would you have helped somebody, whether it's illegal or not? Of course. Would you would you have housed a Jewish family in Nazi Germany to keep them from being exterminated by an evil regime? Of course you would. I mean, it's not even worth thinking about. And if and if you don't think that, then you are missing the fact that an unjust, an unrighteous law is not law. Mm-hmm. And that and that is known as far back. I mean, in, in legal thought. Okay, this is not a new concept. Mm-hmm. The fact is is that a law that violates God's laws is not a law. Mm-hmm. Now, you can't take that too far, okay? Which is to say, you can't just start saying, my theology is that, because there's people who are like, I think paying taxes is an unjust law, therefore mm-hmm. I won't do that. It's like, well, then you're also gonna have to think that the time you spend in prison is unjust because that's where you're gonna be. Um, <laughs> there are things that, that have nothing to do, that are neutral, uh-huh. right? And that and that countries have the absolute right to make laws about and that you, and that you have no, let's say, no right as a Christ follower to just say, oh, that's unjust, so I won't do it. Then there are ones that, that truly violate God's law. If, if you're in the military and your commanding officer tells you to do something you know to be immoral, you have a duty, mm-hmm. a duty to refuse that order. Not just not just a, you can refuse that order, you're obligated to refuse an order that you know is against you know righteousness and so on. It's the same thing here. If you know that Christ has called you to bring the gospel and somebody says, you may not talk to that person about Jesus, at that point, I think that breaking that breaking that human law is completely consistent with righteousness. Now you gotta be willing to pay the price, mm-hmm. yeah. which this guy was. Mm-hmm. I mean, whether it was being shot by the Sentinel, North Sentinelese folks there on the island with arrows or whatever happened there, or whether it was being sent to prison by the, the government of India, he was obviously willing to risk whatever the punishment was. And you, and you can't have it both ways. You, you violate the law, but you got to recognize that you may go down for that, mm-hmm. but you're doing the thing that's right. You know, my uh, uh, Martin Luther King, Dr. King, Martin Luther King Jr. It, it goes to jail and and understands that the laws are unjust, that he's in jail because he's a just man. Mm-hmm. And because when the law is unjust, just men will be in jail right. and women. And and so, you know, that that's, we got to understand that. So the fact that they said you can't be there you can't go there. I think that you should try to exhaust your legal, um, your legal avenues. Right. You know, can I get an exception? Can I? You know, you work for it. You work and work and work for it. You don't just ignore it right out of the gate and just do whatever you want. Right. Um, getting the the mission visa, if there's such a thing, and there's a process for getting, it, you should probably go through the process of getting it. In my opinion, there you should go through the proper process. Everything that that is there for you to do, you should do. It's when you come to the end of that and they say no. You may not witness these people, and you feel a strong call from the Lord to witness. That's when you should witness, whether that's in North Korea, whether that's in North Sentinel Island, whatever. You, you, I'm not going to keep the gospel from somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel, right? Paul, Paul would say, and you know, I'm going to be a fool for Christ. Other people are going to think this is foolishness. Other people are going to think this is silliness. Other people are going to think this is crazy, but it's not. This is me bringing bringing the words of life to people who need it, and I won't let a law stand in the way of that if the law is unjust. Right. And I do think that a law that says you may not speak to somebody else about things that are good for them is an unjust law. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's a it's a reason why we hold free speech in high regard in this country um, because we believe that it's necessary 
in order for us for the best things to happen. You want you want the marketplace of ideas to be full, and you want it to be robust, and you want everybody to be able to say what they need to say, even some of which we find to be offensive, even some of which which we find to be despicable. That's spoken. We think it's important that they should be able to speak it, so that we can also speak the things that we think are good. And at the end of the day, you want the ideas that are the most true to rise to the top, which does not always happen. Right. Uh, for a number of reasons, and that's really a different podcast. But we do think it's important to be able to speak. If somebody says you may not speak to these people, and I'm and I'm saying, well, no one's told them about Jesus, and they're like, well, you can't tell them either. I think in that situation, if if I had exhausted all my other um, avenues and I felt called to that people group, I would yeah, I would certainly violate quote unquote the law in order to do it. That's you know, that's not the call that I have right now, but it someday may be. I mean. Hunter, we got to be, you know, pretty clear and pretty honest about where we stand. And I know some people think it's craziness to think this and so on, but where we stand as a society and a culture, the fact that people are so up in arms about somebody being a missionary and bringing and bringing the the words of Christ to another culture suggests that there is at least a percentage of folks who, if they could, would cut off the right of people to evangelize, mm-hmm. to 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 be missional about their Christianity. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, when that happens, because ultimately we're not just a church of people who get together and like, if you want to come, you come in, we're going to sit down, we're going to do whatever. And if you don't, we are out, we are out outreaching, out, outward facing. We're trying to bring new people into the church. We're trying to build Christ's church of new believers who are coming to know him, whose lives are being transformed and so on. And that's never going to stop. Mm-hmm. And if someday they make it illegal to proselytize, evangelize, whatever the different words are that people use for it, what what is essentially being missional, convincing people that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and they can be saved from their sins and that they can be transformed and have peace with God through the grace of Christ, through his blood on the cross. If, if we're not allowed to say that, anymore to anybody other than the people who are already in our building, we're going to violate that law. Mm-hmm. And and that if you think that that can't happen in the United States, you simply do not know your history. Um, it, it can happen anywhere, has happened in different places, is going on in certain places. Um, and I could easily see at some point them saying, look, we find the gospel to be offensive, oppressive, whatever you want to name it, hate speech. So you could just you just put a label on it mm-hmm. and you get the right people on the Supreme Court or in the, in the place you wanted to be. And you could end the ability of people to to bring the gospel even here in this country. It could happen. And at that point that that happens, you will be the ones who are who are violating the law. And I can tell you without without hesitation, I will. Um, if that right. if a law is made that keeps me from being able to preach the gospel, I will be violating that law. And if I have to go to prison for it, I will I will go to prison for it. And and that's where some people in this in this world right now are. Mm-hmm. They were the ones who who said, Nope, you're not gonna keep you I'm not gonna keep the gospel from people, and they have gone to prison or been killed or whatever. There's a whole history of martyrs. Um, you right. know, John Shaw is not the first martyr um, who who has died for the gospel. Um, you know, and he won't be the last. And, and yet, you know, I, I, I'm saddened that the reaction of people would be, even if they disagree with the gospel or they disagree with his methods, that the first reaction wouldn't be, this is a tragedy. And this young man, from everything we can see, there's just no evidence that he didn't have a really strong heart to serve these people. Right. There's no evidence that he wanted to go over there and become king of the island. There's no evidence that he wanted to, <laughs> that he was looking to get rich or looking, you know, there wasn't about money, sex, or power, that he was going over there specifically to serve these human beings because he loved them and wanted to see them know Jesus. Now, whether you, whether you agree with who Jesus is or not, you should feel sad 
not angry, sad, you know, broken over it, not uh, chippy and, and wanting to say how bad Christianity is or how stupid people are, or start using it as a political opportunity to make political arguments, which it seems like any any comment section of any article is always going to go in that direction if it can. Mm-hmm. And and yet that's some of what I'm seeing. And and it, it sort of, it, it breaks my heart a little bit because even if it was a Muslim, Buddhist, you know, you name it, right? Somebody had gone over there and it was clear that their heart was like this guy's heart. Mm-hmm. I would not be... Uh, I would not be angry and and calling them names and saying the horrible things about their beliefs and so on. I'd say if if their heart looked like it was the same as this kid's, I'd say, person, I, even if I thought they were mistaken, yeah, you know, yeah. I would say, oh, I think they're mistaken about what they believe. But it's still a tragedy, and yet it's still a tragedy that they've died. And it does appear that that it was that their heart was for the um, for the salvation of these people, even though I believe that they're their understanding of salvation is incorrect. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, that's, that's what I think on, on, I mean, I think a lot more about missions. It's important. You know, we do missions in, in the Philippines. We do missions in Honduras. We actually do some missions up in Alakanak, Alaska. Um, we have kind of a house church type thing going on up there among a, a tribe of folks there that we love and we care about. And, and, uh, you know, we find, we think it's just, it's just natural. It's just, a, it's like breathing as a believer mm-hmm. that you would be evangelistic in your, in your outlook, that you would be wanting to see people come to know Jesus. We're bringing on an outreach director at Axe Church here in, in the near future, depending on when you're listening to this, it might've already happened, but, <laughs> um, and that person's, you know, their thing is to connect us to the community so that we can serve the community in practical ways and that we can bring the message of love, joy, and peace that Jesus Christ has for people. Um, and that's never going to stop. That's just who we are as Christ followers. And if that's not happening, and here's the part to, to sort of take home with you if you've been listening this long, if that's not happening in your life, if you aren't thinking about other people know, coming to know Jesus, if you aren't thinking about um, how you can effectively bring uh, the gospel and the good news that, that Jesus has died that he shed his blood for your sins and for the sins of others and that God is calling people to himself and that they can have peace with God, not by their own works, not by anything they do, but by, by the grace that Jesus Christ has provided for us, that God will look at Jesus and his sacrifice rather than to us and our sin and that they can and they can be made right with God. If you if that's not something that's burning in your heart to to share with people and so on, I would really recommend you just get into scripture, you start reading, you 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 start connecting to church wherever you are listening to this, find a good Bible teaching, Bible believing church and and start to find ways to connect to your duty, your calling as a believer to be missional, to, to be on mission to make disciples for Christ, whether that's right there in your neighborhood or whether that's all over the world, however that works, we would encourage you to, to do that because that's what it means to be a believer. I salute John Chow, whether whether everything he did was done the way it should have or I would have done it differently or whatever is not what's important. I believe that his heart was for Christ, that he was that he was sold out for Jesus and wanted to love these people. Um, that's what the evidence seems to say at this point from what we know. And so, you know, we we pray for his family. I don't know if any of them still live here in town. Um, it seems like maybe he was in Alabama or something recently. So I don't know. I don't know where his family is, but but we pray for them um, and for and for others. Anything else you want to say before we pray and wrap this up? Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to quickly. Um, this is something that I learned in college in a missions class. Um, if if you're kind of confused about if you're. Um, uh, Christian in the United States right now, and you're kind of confused about this idea that you're supposed to be a missionary, um, this might 
might help you wrap your mind around it in a different way. Um, missionaries typically break up mission work into th- four categories. Um, they, they break it down and they kind of give it a scale of E0 to E3, and I think E stands for evangelism. So E3 is like evangelism to people that have an entirely different culture than you, um, entirely different language, and that's it's basically going um, you know, to the Sentinelese or going to somewhere where you have nothing in common with these people, no common experience, no common uh, language or communicating um, skill um, with them. That's that's E3 evangelism, and it's necessary because how else are they going to get um, the gospel? Um, E2 is there's some similarities. Um, this article says that it's kind of like uh, a, an English-speaking Canadian going um, to a French-speaking Canadian and trying to evangelize to them. They have some um, common commonalities in their culture, but they're still um, a bit different. Um, E1 evangelism is with just people who share your culture, share your language, but are not part of the church. And then E0 is evangelizing people who are already part of a church, um, but it might be it's basically discipleship of, of already Christians. It's, um, you know, your kids, it's, it's people at church who are backsliding in their faith, things Mm -hmm. like that. That's the easier evangelism. So if you're, if you're saying I'm, I'm not a missionary because I'm not talking to people, um, in Asia, well, you are a missionary because you're, you're on this, this spectrum of, of cross-culturalness. Um, you might not be very cross-cultural. You might be just, if, if you're serving in like at our church at Axe Kids, you are an E zero missionary. You are not crossing cultures, but you are um, evangelizing to the people um, in your own Christian family. Um, so that's just something I thought might be helpful for people who um, the idea of being a missionary in the United States was kind of foreign to them. Yeah, I, I, th- I like the way that's broken down. I mean, there's no question that everything that we do as a Christ follower to push forward the kingdom of God is missions work. Um, you know, you, you can be doing missions work by cleaning a toilet, frankly, because you're, you're, mm-hmm. you know, if that's happening, you know, so that, so that, so that ministry work can go on, you know, you're doing missions work by just doing your job today and providing for your family, uh, and, and showing the love of Christ by working hard with your hands and doing, you know, everything that you do as a Christ follower, if you do it in the spirit is missions work. It's, it's all pushing the mission forward. It's all pushing the kingdom of God forward. Mm-hmm. Some people are specifically called to foreign missions or, or even local missions or or full-time quote unquote ministry which is I don't know we we use that term but I mean I think everybody's in full-time ministry when I was before I was a pastor and I was an attorney I considered myself to my the primary thing in my life was the church was was Christ church was what I was doing to to push that forward and it, and it came out through through what I did and I would you know try to get people you know I've got I've got clients who are you know getting arrested for you know, doing some pretty bad stuff, and and I'm still I'm inviting them to church. I'm you know, I'm wanting to I'm wanting to counsel with them. I'm wanting to evangelize. I'm wanting to to see them know Jesus Christ. Or, you know, or clients that were very wealthy and and weren't getting in trouble for criminal stuff at all, but were you know suing this guy or doing what? Same thing. You know, I want to pray with them. I want to know how I can be, be serve them and and give them counsel that helps them with it. You know, that's that's the life that I was living then. Now I'm a 
I'm a pastor who 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 does mostly preaching, teaching, and and vision uh, casting and things like that. But there's no difference to me moving from one to the other. My life is about Jesus, no matter who you are. And so it's always missional. It's always pushing forth the mission that we have for Jesus Christ. And and I encourage you to think through that. Yeah, whether it's E zero, E one, E two, E three, you know where you are on that spectrum or what you're doing at any particular time, because some people might be doing all of those things. Um, keep in mind that that your job is to be missional. So let's pray. Father, I just want to lift up the family of John Chow, who uh, passed away um, a little over a week ago, and uh, a couple, maybe a couple weeks ago. And and we just pray for his family. We pray for his friends. We pray for pray for those who are under scrutiny um, for helping him. Uh, we pray for uh, just we just pray for your peace in this, Lord. We pray for the North Sentinelese who uh, may have been the ones to. Sounds like we're the ones to end his life, Lord. We just pray that that they would know your gospel, Lord. That you would penetrate to that island. That they would know you, and they would know the joy that it is to know you, and that um, any that barriers would be broken down, not to destroy their culture or even change their culture, other than to change it with your gospel, Lord. Um, I pray that you would give us hearts not to be oppressive, not to seek to um, be patriarchal about spreading the gospel and, and, and along with it all of our cultural nuances that have nothing to do with the gospel, but rather that we would consistently want to bring your name, your, your peace, your joy to the people of this world, wherever they are, uh, these people groups, that we might have that revelation experience, every tribe, tongue, and nation gathered around your throne, praising you that our brothers and sisters from every, every of every color under the rainbow, every language, uh, no matter where they grew up, no matter what they, you know, what their experiences are, that there's one culture that we can all share, and that is a culture of, of the kingdom of God and loving you and knowing you, and that has nothing to do with uh, all these, all these side cultural things. It has to do with having a heart to just live for you. And I pray that that would happen. I pray for our missionaries all over the world. I pray for Steve Bragg. I pray for the Hounshuls. I pray for Pastor Lagos, uh, the people who are connected to the Philippines uh, ministry. Lord, I pray for uh, those who are very involved in the Honduras ministry, and of course, Pastor Julio, Pastor Ezekiel, uh, and the folks who who regularly go to to Honduras and and serve there and spend hard-earned money so that they can get there so they can serve and love on people, Lord. And uh, we pray for Alaska and we pray for Katie Crescent, who's up there running a, a house church of sorts. And we pray for those people in Luckinuck that you would uh, just love them and just help them to, to sense your love and that you might transform uh, them from the things that they suffer with up in, in the, in the area where they are and that they might just, they might, just come to know you more and they just might, uh, you know, people might get saved and, and that it might change their culture, the parts of it that, that are uh, harming them and, and that cause them to harm each other, Lord, just like I pray for us here, the same exact thing, Lord, help us to, to know you more and to harm each other less as a result. Uh, we pray for Camus. We pray for East Vancouver, and we pray for Clark County, and for uh, Portland, uh, Multnomah County, Clackamas County, uh, you know, Beaverton, uh, Lagos, we go, uh, Tigard, all these areas in our metro area, Lord, that are full of people who need to know you, and of course for the Northwest, for Portland and Seattle and Spokane and Tacoma and Eugene and Corvallis and Medford and all these areas uh, in in the Northwest, Hermiston and, and, and further out East, Lord, and Idaho and all, all these places that we would call the Pacific Northwest, Lord, um, including Alaska and, and all of that, Lord, that you would just 
shine through Acts Church, Lord, to the extent that you can use us. We want to be used and and then out to the entire country and then out to the entire world, Lord, um, bringing just the joy of your name. And, and people will always see it as foolishness, Lord. They'll always see the cross as foolishness. They'll always see uh, what our desire is and what we do as foolishness, and they'll always accuse us of things. But Lord, we, we pray that people, those who you're calling, would see what it really is, a love for people, a desire to serve them. We thank you for being so good and that you have saved so many that you will save so many more. Lord, we pray that we would see that in your name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to that Axe podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope uh, you are thinking about missions and what it means to be a missionary and um, the fact that you are a missionary in a new light. If you are, um, if you have thoughts you want to share, um, you know, write us a message, uh, comment on this on this sermon or on this podcast. Um, we want to hear from you. Um, share this podcast with your friend if you think that this would be of interest to them. Um, maybe they're not a Christian and they want to know what what is a Christian missionary. Um, what what is this mission stuff all about? Why do Christians care about taking this to someone else? Um, share this podcast with them. They might find it interesting. Um, if you've got friends who are interested in missions themselves or who aren't, who should be, um, share this podcast with them. And um, that might be a good way to um, share some new ideas with them. We hope you enjoyed it and we will catch you again next time.